Hello, everybody. You're listening to J Movie Talk, episode 294, as I'll be talking the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It was a night like any other night. Then something happened. You see that? Something different. It's the shooting star. Why here? Why now? Why clowns? They've been knocking them dead all over the universe. What are you gonna do? Knock my block off? Soon they'll be doing it at a theater near you. Killer clowns from outer space. Maybe they're just cruising through the galaxy and stopped here for a bite to eat. You don't need a police bell, you need a psychiatrist. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am back, continuing on with my creature feature month um, here in the month of October. Um, and here we are for episode 294. Uh, had a really good time talking about the blob last week. Um, that's always been one of my favorite kind of go-to movies ever since I was a kid. And I know at the end of the last week's episode when I kind of made the switch up from the movie I was planning on doing to switching up to doing Killer Clowns from Outer Space because of the fact that this was another go-to movie that I enjoyed a lot as a kid. And it's kind of ironic that this was a favorite go-to movie of mine as a kid, where in fact that I actually have a issue with clowns. So, and that is all a large part because of a little movie called Stephen King's It, which came out in 1990. I remember seeing that as a child by myself, actually. And I always had a problem with clowns, but for whatever reason, even though I had a problem with that movie, I could always watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. And and honestly, from a child's perspective, I don't know, maybe because of the fact I'm trying to think about it, you know, thinking back to when I was a kid and everything of where, you know, what is the real difference from a clown's perspective of Pennywise the Clown versus the killer clowns from outer space in essence these clowns i guess appear to be more fun and i guess i could tell that they were more you know guys in suits and it was more done for comedy ish in certain aspects whereas it is just a whole completely different monster and I don't want to go too, too much into that, but the whole thing of, I would just say this, the whole thing of breaking the fourth wall that that movie does a lot, I think that played a factor into it as well. And I guess 
that that's pretty much what it boils down for me is that I don't take this. Oh, uh, I should say I don't take these clowns too serious, opposed to Tim Curry as Pennywise is just creepy as all hell. So, um, before I actually get to talking about this movie, just want to go through the cast real quick. So, we have Grant Kramer as Mike Tobacco. Boy, if that ain't a name for you, right? Uh, Susan Snyder as Debbie Stone. John Allen Nelson as Dave. John Vernon as good old Officer Curtis Mooney. Um, we have Michael S. Siegel and Peter Le- Peter Lucasia as the Terenzi brothers. And rounding out the cast would be um, Royal Dano as Farmer Glenn Green. Um, and so thought it was kind of this was an interesting cast uh, in a sense. I mean, I'm kind of going to talk about a little bit um, about certain people as I go through talking about this movie and everything. Uh, but the cast has always been one that kind of sticks out to me. Uh, so the movie itself opens with you know like a montage kind of almost similar to how the blob does opening on the town and just kind of showing us around at different locations that we will probably you know kind of circle back to um as the movie kind of goes along which that used to be a real big thing in not just horror movies but also just in movies in general where you would get like a montage of certain places and then as the course of the movie goes on you as the viewer you realize oh yeah that was in the opening montage of the movie so we get that and we're kind of we're introduced to mooney who just right off the bat he just looks like he's furious with everybody in this freaking town and he just like i said he's just a menace um and everything he's a madman too but he, he just furious with everything he sees and then we end up at um make out point basically and this is where we're introduced to the Terenzi brothers who come pulling up in their damn ice cream truck and I think it's I forgot exactly which brother it is but he jumps out the truck with the microphone and just started like basically just giving a whole spiel about the ice cream and everybody like in their cars making out like man you blowing up our spot like what are you doing type of thing but we see where Mike and Debbie and Mike, who's friends with the Terenzi brothers, he's kind of enjoying it and everything. And we find out the Terenzi brothers, they got some girls with them and, you know, they basically giving them rides and riding them around and letting them eat free ice cream and everything. And they end up having to pull up out of there because Terenzi brothers, they thought that they was going to get some action up here on make out point. But the girls like, yeah, I don't know what type of girls you thought we were, but uh, that ain't what we about. So they end up leaving. And after they leave, uh, Mike and Debbie, you know, they go back to making out and they look up in the sky and they see where kind of similar to the blob again, where this damn meteor comes shooting overhead. And they like, what the hell is that? And so they like, OK, well, we're going to go check it out. And when they leave to go check it out, that's when um, we cut to. The old man, old Farmer Green, um, who it, I, I don't know exactly 
where they came up with this character from and the fact that they had Royal Dano playing that character who's like just this woefully bumbling kind of old timey person and I really don't like the character and everything just how it is portrayed because it, it, it seems like it's it's a caricature, not so much a character in a way of how he how they have him play it. But him and his dog um, Pooh Bear, they go to they they decide to go investigate because he thinks that it's Haley's comet. So him and the dog they go investigate and they come upon this circus tent and it's like okay, how long have you been living here? You know damn well ain't no circus tent was gonna be put up out here and you wouldn't know about it because you the one who live out here so him and the dog they go searching around trying to find a way in and everything like that the dog ended up getting snatched up by one of the clowns and old farmer green he gets furious he's like he gonna tear the whole thing apart because he wants his dog back he grabs onto one of the the um the tent poles in the ground and he gets electrocuted. It's like, this thing is, 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 uh, I think he says it's electric. Is, no, he said this thing is wired and everything. And he's sitting on the ground. And then all of a sudden one of the clowns come out of the woods and then they end up shooting him with the ray gun. And it's like, well, that's the end of old farmer green. And I'm like, thank, thankfully so that he's up out of here. Cause like I say, I couldn't, I don't really like that freaking character. I really, really don't. It's, it, the character annoys me to some degree for some for whatever reason. Um, so basically, get Farmer Green and Pooh Bear out of the paint real quick. So, uh, Mike and Debbie they end up showing up, and they come upon the tent. It was like, what the hell is this? And everything they look like, okay, but it's easy for them to actually get in. Where it was hard for the old man to get into the tent. It's very easy for Mike and Debbie to end up inside, and they quickly realize, like, this ain't no, this ain't no circus tent. They're like, this is a damn spaceship, really. That's what they figure out, and they end up getting chased around by the by the clowns, and they gotta, they narrowly get the hell up out of there, um, and everything. Um, one thing about the clowns in this movie, and like I kind of talked about earlier, where even though they are, they are scary looking. I mean. That is one thing. And like I say, thinking about it from a kid's standpoint, and then looking at it from a door, as an adult, like I say, they are creepy looking, you know, with these heads and everything. But you know that it's like, it's, you know, performers underneath in suits and everything. But they just have this way about them and how they kind of just, you know, move around and and everything. And when we get, when, when you get later into the movie and they end up in the town, it's like, how the hell do these people not realize that these are not actual people that, you know, these are actually aliens, the way they look, the way they, they don't talk, the way they, I mean, if you saw some of these freaking clowns, like, pulling up on you, you ain't gonna think, oh, that's somebody in a in a suit, no, that's a goddamn creature, let me get the hell out of here, but I do like the way they look, and they all do look very different from each other, none of them look exactly the same, which is a good thing, um, so, um, Debbie and Mike, you know, after they flee and everything like that, Debbie's like, well, we got to go to the police station. And you're like, I, I, I have a friend that works at the police station. And that friend happens to be Officer Dave Hansen. And one of the biggest things about this movie is 
what exactly is the relationship between Debbie and Dave? And and also, too, how much older is Dave supposed to be? Because it always seemed like Dave always felt like he was like some years older than than Debbie and Mike, even though apparently he's I, I always assume that he's supposed to be like at least two, I say two, maybe three years older than them because Mike and Debbie are college students and everything. So I'll be like, okay, so it putting them in college, I would say, okay, maybe they, you know, 21, 22, and maybe put Dave at like 25, 26. Because apparently he, you know, he's out of the academy because it gets brought up with him and Mooney talking like he, you know, he's out of the academy and stuff like that. So, yeah, I give him like 25, 26 relatively. So, yeah, a few years different. But for some reason, he always seems like much older, like closer to 30 than he do as far as what I assume his character is. And it's never really established like how exact. What exactly his is his age and everything? Um, but going back to the whole relationship between Debbie and Dave, because we do find out later in the movie that they were an item. Now, we don't know how long in the past that they had broken up, but it kind of feels like this was more of a recent thing. And she ended up gravitating to Mike and, and everything. But it's kind of weird how it kind of progresses along regarding their relationship and how Mike is just there. And I'm going to talk about that later when I get to talking about the, like towards the end of the movie um, and everything. So uh, Debbie and Mike, they get to the police station and Debbie's explaining to, you know, to everything that's going on, you know, you know, what happened out there and, Dave, he's he's listening. I mean, granted, he's kind of taking it at face value. Like, all right, like y'all coming here with this this wild ass story. But Mooney, who's hearing everything, he's in the back. He comes out and he don't believe any of it. And he calls Debbie a tramp. And, and when he realized that Mike is friends with the Terenzi brothers with the ice cream truck, he figures, oh, this ain't nothing but a hoax. Like, don't believe none of this nonsense, Dave, and everything. And like I say. Mooney is a damn madman because of just how he cares. It's almost like he wanted to fight the fight Debbie because she's like, "Oh, we're talking here," and he's like, "Oh yeah," well, and it's like how Dave basically got to hold him back. So it's like, "Well, he gonna punch us?" I'm like, "What the hell's wrong with this man?" So while they're at the police station, and everything the clowns, you know, they venture because they the fact that they chase Debbie and um, Mike you know, away from where their ship landed and they got away. So it's like, it's time for them to start venturing into the town. And we get this whole thing where they make their way to the town. It just started causing ruckus and they end up killing, you know, killing folks and basically rounding them up, putting them in cocoons and, you know, taking them back to the ship. And it's like, how is no one realizing what the hell is going on? Um, Granted, Later on, we do start to get where, um, you know, people do start calling the police station and making, you know, making actual complaints like, hey, like there's some crazy stuff going on here. Um, so while all that's going on, 
Dave, Mike, and Debbie, they leave. And Dave is like, well, Debbie, I'm taking you home. Like, me and Mike will go back up there and investigate. But we're going to leave you at home and everything, which Debbie is kind of furious about. But she tells Mike, like, like it'll be cool. Um, you know, leave me here, but I'm going to follow y'all back up there. Mike is like, I don't even want to go back up there after knowing what we saw. But he's like, all right, I guess. So we end up leaving with Dave and everything. And the interesting, the interesting thing about Mike Tobacco, one that name, Mike Tobacco. What? Who the? How the hell did he even come up with that name? And even though it's interesting that Grant Kramer, who plays Mike Tobacco, he gets like first billing, but in a way, he kind of becomes like the third fiddle in a sense, second slash third fiddle in a sense. Um, in this movie, and, and I mean, I, I believe this is the only thing that I've ever seen him in. I didn't look through his filmography to, to see it now, but this is the only thing that I that I remember ever seeing him in. I'm I'm pretty sure if I look through his filmography, I probably see where I probably seen him in some other stuff too. But this is the only thing that has you know name and facial recognition regarding him in movies and stuff. Um. I mean, I don't have too much of a problem with the character. I think he's fine in the job that he does. Um, it's kind of interesting. I will say this where how what I talked about in the blob where Brian, Meg, and Paul, you could have saw them in this kind of three, you know, this trios type of relationship type thing that, that forms with these three in this movie is what I, what you kind of, thought might happen with the blob but Paul gets taken out by the blob and that leads just Meg and Brian um and everything which is always which is always funny that their name is Meg and Brian especially if you watch Family Guy so Meg and Brian um and everything so yeah uh, I always kind of thought it was interesting that he he's around and they, and they don't kill him off which they could have easily killed his character off similar to like what happened with Paul in the blob, but they don't. And he's around. And I think it, one person does kind of become like that third wheel and in a weird way, Mike becomes the third wheel in this movie. Um, so people, like I said earlier, people start calling the police station and Mooney is there and everything. And he makes it up in his mind that the town is in on this whole elaborate joke to get at him and it's like dude you're not that important you you really you really are full of yourself to think that the whole town got together to pull a prank on you like who who are you in the sense of that those people felt it necessary to let's pull a prank on officer moon let's drive him completely crazy um and everything and he don't believe any of it and think it's all a hoax and everything that they're not going to you know, force him out and, and all this type of stuff, just how he started rambling to himself. And the fact that John Vernon in this movie, I mean, he does add credibility to it because it's John Vernon. But one thing you started to see a lot of in movies like this were actors who had their run, you know, like in the 60s or 70s or in Roy Daniels' case, the 50s, and you know, at some point, um, you know, actors like that would start to show up in, you know, these kind of B-rated horror movies and everything. And I don't know, it's always kind of interesting, like, that's where their careers ended up taking them because, you know, sense of where, well, 
Hollywood doesn't really, the big Hollywood stuff doesn't really, it's not for you anymore, but you can still get work if you show up in these type of movies. And I always kind of, I never liked that in a sense. It's like, because John Vernon was only 56 years old in this movie. And and when you look at now, when you have people like, you know, like, I'm trying to think that's in there. Like, I mean, Jason Statham is in his early 50s. Um, Tom Cruise is almost 60. Uh, Denzel Washington is in his late 60s. You know, people like that. George Clooney is in his 60s. Brad Pitt is, is almost 60. Um, you know, Matt Damon is, is 53. Ben Affleck is what? Uh, 50 yeah 52 about to be 53 also so you you got these guys that are in their 50s nowadays that are still big name draws but then looking back then it's like well once you got to a certain age and everything you kind of aged out and well because you still say i somewhat name recognition yeah you can show up in this movie just to add a little bit more credibility to it and that was always something that kind of bothered me but at least here in recent years, you don't really get that like you like you once like once upon a time you did um, back in the day um, regarding like older actors and things like that. Um, so. So the thing is, uh, OK, so after. Yeah. So after, you know, as, as everything's kind of going haywire. So one of the clowns ends up showing up at the police station. And Mooney being Mooney, you know, he de- decides to treat him like a common criminal. But it's like this damn thing is damn near eight feet tall and you trying to treat it like it's an actual criminal. But he's kind of playing. He's kind of playing games with you. But you are acting. You try to be a hard ass with this damn clown. And so you end up putting handcuffs on him and you lead him back to where the cells are. And I always find it funny too. the line that he says when he put the handcuffs on, he's like, like, well, you're in Mooney's jail now. You ain't got no rights. And it's like, yeah, Mooney definitely would have been a Blue Lives Matter. He he definitely, he definitely f- would fit into that mold. And, and, you know, it's just like, ugh. Like, just imagine what he was doing to people in general. Because we get a glimpse of what tactics he pulled. Because, like, these two dudes that, that he pulls in there earlier in the movie... Um, he, he basically is like beating them up and giving them, you know, Mooney's justice basically. So it's like, imagine what else he was doing, like how he was roughing up people. And he actually tried to pull this with the clown. Cause when he takes the clown back there and tells him to get in the cell with the other two guys, while his back is turned, he takes out his nightstick and hits the clown in the back of the head. And the clown turns around and like growls at him and Mooney's, he. Mooney is shook at that point, but he's still trying to act tough, but he's shook. And the clown ends up knocking him out, basically, well, killing him, really, and ends up killing the two guys, too, because Dave and Mike, when they end up out at, uh, they go back out there to make out point, and they see, basically, the clowns had come through there, basically killed everybody, um, that was there. Cars are all rigged. There's um, cotton candy all over the freaking place. Because that's one of the things that Mike was trying to, was telling Dave about, like, this, about the cotton candy. So, at first, Dave didn't believe Mike, but then after he saw it for himself, he really believed him. 
And he even called back to the station trying to warn Mooney, but Mooney didn't want to listen because Mooney, like I said, Mooney just got it made up in his mind that everybody was out to get him. So after they, after Dave let Mike go, he split, they split up. And Mike ends up meeting up with the Terenzi brothers. Dave, he goes back to the police station and he sees the aftermath of what the clown did. It was just got the place looking a complete mess. And probably one of the creepiest scenes of the movie was when Dave is getting ready to leave. And you see the clown sitting in Mooney's chair. He turns around and he has Mooney on his lap as a dummy. And he's talking, using him. And everything, and then when the clown is is done, you hear when he pulls his hand out of Mooney's back, and he just tosses him to the side. That's like one of the creepiest scenes in the movie. It everything, just of how it plays and the tension of it and everything. So Dave he ends up killing the clown by shooting him in his nose, which turns out to be their weakness, and Dave remembers that for later on. Um, and. It's interesting, like, as many times I've seen the movie, this was the first time that I really noticed that Debbie goes missing for a, a while in this movie. I say probably a good, a good what, 15 minutes probably go by, and Debbie is not a part of the movie at all. After Once they left her at the house, like, all this other stuff goes on, and she's not a factor in the movie at all for this period in time. And I always find it kind of interesting when, like, main characters in movies go missing. It's like... So what the hell was going on? Could they have been filming another movie? Because it's ironic. In 1988, she was also filming. She also did uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Um, so maybe she was off doing that during this 20-minute um, span of the movie where she's not in the movie um, and everything. But I always did. I, I, but I did. I noticed that when I was watching it. It's like, huh. Yeah, it's like Debbie just goes missing for that chunk of the movie. And kind of staying on talking about Suzanne Snyder. I mean, she was a 80s uh, screen queen. Um, I, I've always wished that she would kind of have done more. Uh, I mean, I know she should, she's in this. She, she's the main woman lead of this movie. Um, she shows up briefly in um, Night of the Creeps, which is another movie I'm doing this month. Um and everything, and she has that, you know, that part in um, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, and she also in a few others, but I always felt like she should have been a little bit a bigger star than what she was. Um, like I said, if you're someone who watched, you know, 80s movies and stuff like that, especially these type of movies, you see her in them, and she always, she, she had a different look than what uh, quite a few of the other 80s screen queens had in a good way she stood out i should say she she stood out in a in a, in a good way and yeah it'd been cool if, you know if she had like bigger roles like i should say bigger roles but more roles in other horror films as well because she did have a certain presence about her that you did want she wasn't necessarily a damsel in distress i mean in this movie even though they try to portray her character at certain points as a damsel in distress, but she's all right. She's not, she, she never came across like she couldn't take care of herself. And I've always wanted to always wish that she had the opportunity in a movie to kind of be like, you know, the badass, you know, lead of the horror movie, the final girl 
um, in a sense. She, she, but she never got that. She never got to be the final girl, girl in that way in in any of the '80s movies that I remember seeing her in or anything like that. So, um, so after Dave, you know, he kills you know the cop and everything. I mean, uh, the clown and everything. And that's when we realize, okay, things are getting real serious at this point. So, um, the clowns now have basically taken over the city. And we see where they're trying to round up, you know, even more people and everything. And there's one scene with his family there at this restaurant and the clowns outside and basically like enticing the little girl to come outside and everything, and she's about to go out, but the mother quickly goes over the top, and the clown gets pissed, so it makes me want the clown like spans out and just go in and just shoot up everybody and turn them all into cocoons and everything. Because uh, as Mike and the Terenzi brothers are riding around, because they're looking for the clowns, and they go around the corner and they see where they're having a damn parade, and you got you got coons laid in the street, and you got clowns with with the thing that's like literally scooping up the um, cocoons and you know and, and it's like so basically yeah y'all just came and just wrecked this whole town like y'all just literally have taken this town over and the Terenzi brothers and, and Mike they quickly you know back up out of there and leave because it's like well we got to go get Debbie and that's when Debbie comes back into the movie where she was taking a shower she gets dressed and then she starts getting attacked by freaking little monster clowns that's in the the clothes hamper and then coming out of the cabinet on her so she ends up having to fight her way out of there and then you got the clown that shows up pretending using Mike's voice as if it was Mike and then she got to basically fence off and then they literally are outside like with a dog going trampoline like come on jump down jump to us and everything she was like what the hell so they end up but what's interesting about it too is that they could have easily put her in the cocoon she could have been gone but instead what they did they put her in this ball, you know, enclosed ball, yellow ball thing, and the clown takes her and puts her in the car. And that's when Mike and the Terenzi brothers show up, see the see the clown putting her in the back. And then we get this high-speed chase because they chasing the clown in the clown car in the, in the ice cream truck. Dave is, like, sitting at an intersection just waiting. He sees them come flying by, so he starts chasing. So we get this, this doggone car chase and everything. And the Terenzi brothers realize the cops are behind us. So he tells the cell. So, so they stop. Dave end up crashing into the back of their car, into the back of the ice cream truck. And then they end up all getting together and getting in the ice cream truck and going after the clowns to save Debbie. So it's like the stakes are really high at this point. So they end up going to the amusement park where the clowns now have basically you know, a, you know, kind of blended in like no one's really going to pay too much attention if they see this clown, you know, tent that's here at the amusement park opposed to being out in the freaking middle of nowhere. Ironically enough, when the hell did they move the clown tent from out in the woods to the amusement park? We don't know, especially with no one around to see it. So, um, so they take, uh, so the clowns, they show up and they take take Debbie into the ship and everything. And um, Dave, Mike, and the Terenzi brothers, they show up because, like I say, they're trying to save Debbie. So they all get to the ship and they're inside. They split up. The Terenzi brothers end up going their own way. And Mike and 
and Dave, they go looking for it. Debbie. They happen to find Debbie still alive. Dave, he ends up shooting the ball, which frees her, and they have to end up trying to get out of there. All the while that that's going on, the Renzo brothers end up getting some, <sighs> hooking up with some damn clown, some female clown. Well, I hope they were female clowns, but some female clowns. And they basically, yeah, they, yeah, they just kind of, it's all I say is just I know it probably smelt crazy in there. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, so they got some with with these clowns and everything. And while while Dave, Debbie, and, and Mike is fighting for their lives to try to get out of there, getting chased by the clowns, they end up getting getting led to this big room and everything where the clowns literally got them surrounded and are about to get them until the Terenzi brothers come crashing through the wall. And they pretend to be like this, you know, this 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 Lord clown or whatever. Cause they tell them the clowns to stop and don't do anything to them. And the clowns is actually listening to what they saying and everything. You know, they they kind of like they literally back off because they see this big clown head that's on this on this clown on this ice cream truck. So they figure, hey, well maybe it is somebody that's that's our leader, you know, and everything. So while all that's going on. They all of a sudden they back off and they leave as we see this big giant cloud comes down on these doggone strings. And it's like, oh, hell. And one thing about it, you never fully understand if this clown is like the lead clown or is there someone else that's even controlling this clown because of the puppet strings. So it's like, well, who... Who's controlling this clown if there is, you know, someone else? And why is this clown so much bigger than the, than the ones that we get? Cause we never get like a true, like a full backstory about the whole thing with the clowns. So when this clown shows up, everybody kind of freaks out. They trying to get the hell out of there and everything. But the clown comes running over to the truck. Mike, Debbie and um, Dave, they get out of the ice cream truck the Terenzi brothers get trapped in there the clown starts beating the hell out just going full donkey kong on the on the ice cream truck picks the thing up tosses it to the side and for all intents and purposes the Terenzi brothers get blowed up now i'm gonna come back to that because of how this movie ends because when you look at it in real time there there's no way that they should have been able to survive this so with the ice cream truck blowed up and the Terenzi brothers basically out of the paint, um, now it's like clear that, okay, um, we got to figure something out. Like, how the hell are we going to get out of here? So Dave being the cop, he basically going to sacrifice himself, giving uh, Debbie and Mike enough time to get the hell out of there. He distracts the giant clown for them to leave, which they do. And you basically get this whole standoff with him and the clown. The clown ended up picking... Dave up, got him in his arm. Basically, this thing could have crushed Dave in his hand if he really wanted to, but for a dramatic effect, just holding him in his hand, and Dave is struggling and everything. Um, and you think, okay, Dave pretty much going to die. He ends up, some way, somehow, he is able to free his hand, takes off his cop, off his uh, name badge, and he pokes the clown in the nose, which, of course, causes it, because that's his weak spot. So, Starts at the yell, drops him and everything. And Dave, he runs away. And while all this is going on, the ship is taking off at this point. The ship is about to go back to, I guess, they clown planet and everything. 
um, they, uh, Mike and Debbie, they've made it out. The cops have shown up and everything. And they watch as the ship explodes. And you hear something falling from the sky. And it's a clown car. And it comes slamming down on the ground. And all the cops and Debbie and, and Mike, they looking like, what the hell is this? The door springs open. It's Dave. Somehow, Dave survived. Right? And then... As Mike and Debbie go run over to the car, you see the damn Terenzi brothers pop out, and it's like, now wait a minute. And they and Mike even asked, like, I thought you guys were dead. It's like, oh, oh, we hid in the freezer with the ice cream, and it's like, now wait a minute. When that giant clown picks up the car, picks up the truck, yeah, they do go falling back, you know. In the back, but there ain't no way with as much rumbling, t- you know, that was going on. There's no way in time they were able because they didn't have their balance, so they literally fall straight back. So where exactly is that freezer in the back of that truck? We don't know, but some way somehow they were able to get inside the freezer, put down the leg as it get tossed to the side, and then it explodes and they they survive that. And even if they were in the freezer, how the hell they get out the truck? Because the uh, the truck is literally in flames. So how did they get out of the truck? That's the whole. That's another thing. So I always felt like the Terenzi brothers was originally supposed to die, but at the last second they changed their mind and didn't kill them. So they came up with that that crazy story that they hid in the ice, in the ice cream freezer, even though it don't make sense. The math ain't mathing on them surviving. But okay, and even with Dave. How did he, okay, where was that clown car? Because, okay, he drops to the ground, then he takes off and run, and he was able to get inside the clown car. And, I mean, that's a little bit more plausible, I think, than, than the Terenzi brothers surviving, but they had everybody survive, and, you know, everybody's happy and everything. And so going back to what I initially was talking about regarding the the three-ray relationship here, of Dave, Mike, and Debbie, where Dave is literally hugging on Debbie and Mike is like on the opposite side. It's like, does he realize like the way that looks like, yeah, you the odd man out of this relationship now. Is Dave and is Dave and Debbie back together? Granted they are D and D, you know, Dave and Dave and Debbie where he's Mike and Debbie and it's like you kind of on you kind of somewhat on the outskirts of this relationship, and that's kind of how it appeals. But it's almost like he's cool with it, and the movie ends with them getting, you know, getting pies in the face and everything, and the clown music plays. But it's just kind of funny, like okay, is Dave? Did Dave kind of wiggle his way back into to you know into Debbie's life at this point, and and is Mike okay with that? Because we don't get no clarification on that. Cause like I said, we see where Dave and 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 Debbie they hug and he's consoling her when they standing there at the end, and Mike is just standing there and it's like, okay, that's kind of interesting, but whatever. And I mean, that's pretty much um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And like I said, it's kind of interesting. You really pay attention to that. Like, what is that relationship at the end? What is there really? Um, and everything. But that's that's the movie. Um, I know over the years people have wanted a sequel to be made. I'm actually one of those people who actually support a sequel being made. I think it could. 
have had a sequel um, and everything. Um, don't know if it will ever happen now, but you never know if you got enough traction and who to say that, you know, somebody didn't take a chance and say, yeah, we'll do a Killer Clown sequel. Because I don't think the movie needs to be remade. But if you did a continuation, that would be fine um, and everything. Um, of course, before I get up out of here, um, if I had to pick a favorite character, um, that's kind of tough. I don't know if I really have a favorite character. Um, like I say, Mike, like I say, he's okay, but he doesn't really, you know, he's not, a, he doesn't really do anything in this movie, come to think of it. He's just kind of there. Um, Dave, maybe kind of, sort of. Debbie, she's cool, but I, I don't know if I really have, I don't know if I really have a favorite character like that. Um, this might be one of the few movies that I've done where I don't really have a favorite character like that. Um, if I had to rate the movie out of five cotton candies, I would give it a solid, I give it a solid three. Um, it's enjoyable. Um, it's a, it's a good hour and a half. Um, it keeps you entertained, um, and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, the clowns are, are they're kind of creepy, but at the same time, they're kind of fun and funny too. Cause they, they have their own little, quirks and ticks and they the individuality that they bring they all bring something a little different with the like all the clowns do something a little different and they all kind of stand out in their own ways and in a way this movie they also break the fourth wall too because there's a few scenes where they actually turn and look at the camera as well like it's all tongue-in-cheek and i think that's what kind of is one of the reasons why i can tolerate this clown movie opposed to Stephen King. It even though it breaks the fourth wall too, but it breaks the fourth wall in more of a sinister way than what this movie does. Um and everything. So um I want to thank you guys for listening. Um of course you can find me on the Twitter X machine at my personal page, the J Giles, or the movie page, J Movie Talk, um, and everything. Of course, you can find all the movie talk episodes a part of the TV Zone podcast network. Um, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's um, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, um, wherever you listen to it at, just type in TV Zone podcast network and you find all the episodes like that. Um, but to make everything a lot easier, if you go to the website, www.tvzonepodcastnetwork.com, you can find all the movie talk episodes as well as all the other shows that are part of the network. And if you want to listen to just the individual episodes like that, you can. Um, so for episode 295, with this being Friday the 13th week and everything, I will be releasing a new Friday 13th uh, fan commentary episode what I have been doing for all of the Friday 13th movies I am up now to uh, Jason Goes to Hell that will be the newest one releasing on this coming Friday the 13th um, I will have a guest with me on that episode and I'm looking forward to it because of all the Friday 13th movies that I've done so far can't believe I waited this long to get this guest on for this episode. It's going to be fun when you hear it. 
And make sure, of course, you watch the movie along because the way we do it, like it's a real commentary track. So, um, like I said, I'm looking forward to sitting back with that person and us talking about Friday. Well, the final Friday, Jason goes to hell as we watch it um, and everything. Like I said, that episode will be released on Friday. It'll be released at midnight on Friday the 13th, actually. Um and everything like that because that's generally what i do for all the friday 13th episodes i release them on on midnight of friday the 13th um and then the episode for 296 i will follow this up with i will probably do the stuff that'll be the next one that i do um and if i go with the stuff and then i'll leave the last movie which i switched this movie around for i will save that one to end the month and everything thank you guys for listening once again and i will catch you guys next time peace